Emerging Markets Equities Podcast by Aberdeen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aberdeen Emerging Markets Equity Podcast. I'm Nick Robinson from the EM Equity team. In this podcast series, we explore the factors that underpin our thinking on emerging markets. From key individuals to evolving trends, we seek to answer the five W's, the who, what, where, when, and why, that are shaping investment opportunities in the region. In this podcast series so far, we spent a lot of time talking about China, and that's for good reason, in that today China is over a third of the emerging markets benchmark, and it's by far the largest country. However, China is still underrepresented in the benchmark relative to the size of the companies in the investable universe, as the onshore A-share market, the weighting is suppressed by the MSCI. Over time, as the market matures and MSCI gains confidence in it in terms of liquidity and capital flows, this weighting is likely to be adjusted upwards such that China could be half of the overall benchmark. And that's a huge weighting for a market which really divides opinions of many investors. Some, like us, see China as an incredibly exciting and innovative country, which will soon be the leading global power with world-leading companies in high-tech industries like renewables. Others, however, are more circumspect and see the continued geopolitical tensions and concerns adding to risk, which is already high given the government's different political philosophy relative to the West. So given this debate, a recent trend we've seen is investors breaking out China from the rest of their EM allocation and managing this China exposure separately. So today I thought we'd talk about this new trend and discuss the implications of this for investors. So to help me with this today, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague Alex Smith. Alex is a product specialist on the Emerging Markets team based in London, and he's closely involved with developing products that meet our clients' needs. So it's really well placed to see this new development in the market. Alex, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Nick. And it's an absolute pleasure to join you today. So, uh, so let's get started. How about if you give us a bit of background towards this trend that's been developing? And how do you think it's likely to evolve? Yeah, thanks, Nick. And I think you've, you've laid out the, the issue there very clearly in that, you know, China's a huge part of EM over 30%. And, and that, that's a rising, you know, a rising allocation in the index and could hit 50%. And so in the last 12 months, we've had a lot of clients asking us about EMX China products. And we've seen a few papers come out in the sell side, you know, just generally referring to how dominant China's becoming in EM and also the correlation between wider EM and Chinese market performance. And that wasn't always the case, but certainly over 2021, the two have moved in tandem and global indices are suppressing the, the amount of China exposure you get. So, you know, clients are increasingly wanting to make this decision, as you've said, about how much China to have themselves. One comment I've seen is that, that this EMX allocation has been more than more talk than action today. And that, that, that is actually true at the moment. You know, we, we haven't seen vast inflows, but actually I think that could change quite quickly. And we've seen investors, at, at least a few, start to put their money where their mouth is with institutional searches going out. And I actually think this trend, I'm quite excited about this. I think this trend could accelerate quite rapidly over the next um, couple of years, particularly for sophisticated clients. And really, the reason I think in the short term people are going to want to look at EMX China is because of the success of China products. So as the A share markets opened up, 
and there's been quite explosive growth in in, in mutual funds, all share and all China, which is onshore and offshore, and, and China A, the onshore market. You know, people have bought these funds. It's a very attractive way to invest, and then you have it sitting alongside an an allocation to your to your EM or to EM, and you have two allocations now that potentially work in tandem, move in tandem. So separating out China will allow you to manage your risk better and to deal with an issue potentially you have from from investing directly in China. You know, in terms of excluding China, again, we have seen clients ask us, uh, and certainly, you know, in the US, it's an issue in particular where where the geopolitical tensions are higher, less so in in other regions. Um, But I think for that to become a major driver of EMX allocations, there need to be a change, a step change in, in US policy. You know, it would be an intensification of, of what some people call this financial cold war. That could happen. But I think that the short term driver has been this, this growth in, in China allocations um, that's given sophisticated investors a, a risk, a risk issue in their portfolios. And given that China offers some, some very attractive investment opportunities, particularly with growing domestic consumption, if you're a, if you're a client looking to maximise returns for your, for your pensioners and etc. Excluding China, I think, is not necessarily going to be a a decision that maximises returns at the moment. I mean, I I think on this podcast previously, we've highlighted China's hugely important role in the renewable supply chain. We've highlighted the success and innovation of Chinese internet businesses. Do you think investors can gain that exposure sufficiently elsewhere outside of China? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Nick. I mean, I certainly, for one, get the feeling many clients think, you know, they see China as being one of the most developed EMs and being home to all these exciting, innovative, advanced companies and the rest of EM being this kind of basket of, of, of commodity exporters and dirty industries. And, and, and I know I can understand that Chinese internet names grabbed a huge amount of attention and still do because they grew so explosively after 2016. And, and, and since 2020, we've had the growth of renewable names, as you say, again, exploding kind of onto markets. But but actually these trends, you know, the trends that are driving that growth in China is occurring across EM. Digitalization and, and the push to more clean energy, these are growing global phenomenon. And the, and the third thing you can get uh, outside of China is, is growing domestic consumption, which is an attractive, very attractive way to invest for the long term. You know, we've seen e-commerce growing rapidly in Southeast Asia, in India and in Latin America. And consumers in EM potentially are using these digital channels to make certain purchases for the first time. So as their consumption grows and moves up the value chain, you'll find some of the higher end products being consumed via digital channels. So that they come via digital channel for the first time and that type of product comes through that channel for the first time. That's a really exciting investment trend. And there's also opportunities in companies working towards clean energy solutions and, and lower carbon things, you know, grid upgrades. That's occurring in India, a lot of investment into the grid, electrification, got some exciting companies doing things in Latin America, and then lower carbon solutions for things like transport, substituting trucks uh, and using rail transportation instead. And in terms of technology and, and, and kind of exciting companies, you know, EMX China increasingly has world leaders. The Indian IT companies are one area. They can compete with any IT service company in the West. And, I, and I've not really even mentioned the semiconductor giants in North Asia, but that will be part of the universe. 
ex-China and those companies underpin, you know, kind of so much in our daily lives and, and, and so much of economic growth. So there are some really exciting companies. I think the kicker for EMX China is the potential of countries like Brazil and India to develop and, and to develop at an accelerating rate. I was looking at reading some papers from our research institute, actually, and they forecast consumer markets to grow by 17 trillion in, in EMX China over the, over the next 30 years. So, so there are some really powerful investment trends going on. And looking at the EMX China benchmark, you know, once you take out the huge market of China, you know, obviously India becomes the largest market. And then, like you mentioned, you've got the kind of semiconductor heavy markets of Taiwan and Korea to a lesser extent, but also become very significant markets. Do you think when you when you think about capital flows around the emerging market world, this means that we're likely to see more capital flows into those markets I mentioned? And could that be something that you know, boosts them? Yeah, I think there's two points I'd make here. I mean, firstly, in a scenario where China, there's this widespread exclusion of, of China from portfolios and, and separation of China and, and, and the West as economies. Investors are going to have to look for structural growth elsewhere. And, I, and I've mentioned the domestic consumption story. India really stands out, I would say, as a market where you can get that structural growth that's been occurring in China over the last few years. And you know, given the de- demographics in India, it has the potential over multi-decades to be as, you know, as big and as, uh, to grow as, and become as attractive to, as China as an investment destination, as, as consumers in India increase their income and um, buy more goods. But also, you know, as I mentioned, if there's a scenario where China's separated from the West, India's also an obvious destination uh, as a manufacturing hub. So, you know, that, that I, you could definitely see in that scenario uh, those, those countries receiving more, more investment. But if China's growth continues and there isn't a massive kind of shift in, in this financial restriction or rivalry with the U.S., and it becomes split out from EM, you know, I, I don't think that would necessarily lead to less flows for either EMX China or for China. And, and if you look back at history, Japan became an incredibly dominant part of the Asia-Pac universe. I think it got to about 70% by 2001 when it was split out, but neither region suffered less flows as a result. Markets adapted and, and investors kind of worked with the new reality and, and got the exposure they wanted. Yeah, on the North Asian markets, I suppose that's slightly separate. But I think it's interesting, you know, if these markets gathered more attention from from global investors, they do, you know, in the semiconductor and memory space, they do get attention. But but these markets still have potential to develop in terms of their corporate culture. Um, And I think that's potentially overlooked because they're considered the the more developed part of EM. But there's there's definitely a kicker from, from improving ESG. And that would come with more exposure to international investors and a higher profile in markets. Thanks. And then I suppose one of the kind of hot topics at the moment is commodities, given the inflation environment we're in. And, and I suppose taking China out of the benchmark, you know, that really boosts the Middle East and, and LATAM. And I, I think the Middle East is particularly interesting, given you know today in the broad emerging market benchmark, it's, it's of a size that it can potentially be ignored to a certain extent by some investors. Whereas taking China out, it becomes quite a significant uh, part of that universe. So do you think a ex-China 
strategy is likely to be heavier in, in the commodity sector? As you say, I think the key thing you said there is that potentially ignored. Well, I think that the last 18 months have been kind of a reminder of how important these regions are to the global economy, right? You know, we've had 10 years of, of markets focused on digital businesses and technological growth and long-dated investment cases. You know, the, the Middle East, Latin America, and commodity, commodity exporting countries, they've got what the world needs, right? So, so I think that as investment destinations, people are thinking about them more and, and considering perhaps more holistically how important they'll be in the long term. Even in a low, lower carbon world, you know, you're going to need a lot of metals. You still need a huge amount of commodities. You need copper for electrification and lots of it. And you need uh, platinum and precious metals to make hydrogen engines. So these parts of the global economy will continue to be important. And yeah, I mean, as, as an investor, um, certainly you have to look at the Middle East very carefully as an ex-China uh, investor. You, you, you have to consider things like the dollar peg, which can, which can add risk to your portfolio. But also, you know, you, you want to you look at where um, domestic consumption is growing. As these companies increase their exports, that can create very powerful and attractive investment trends in the domestic economies. And, and at Aberdeen, our experience has been the best way to play a commodity cycle is to invest in the domestic consumption of, of companies that export commodities because, you know, the, the currency appreciates, economic activity grows, people consume more. And as they do that, businesses that can build up brands, banks, these businesses are higher margin and then the earnings are less cyclical. And that, that then is a, is a more attractive way to invest potentially than, than directly in commodity companies over the long term where earnings can be more cyclical although you know some some commodity companies are, are, are not all are made not all of them born equal so there can be some attractive company there yeah and no, i think that's certainly true and that's one of the experiences of the last few months has been with russia now removed from a benchmark and companies that are uninvestable a lot of investors are having to look elsewhere for commodity exposure either via some of the companies in the Middle East or, or via companies which are located in countries which will benefit from those increasing commodity prices. Thinking about correlations of emerging markets with China, as China moves to a domestically driven growth model, how do you think that's going to impact trade links between China and other emerging markets and, and that correlation? Yeah, th that's certainly... Uh... A very powerful uh, and interesting area, right? Because China does look set to increase its trade links with with the rest of EM and become an, an an export destination over time. But but actually, um, a lot of that trend has been been happening already, because what we've seen is China sort of move up as Chinese people become more skilled and the economy becomes more sophisticated. Chinese companies have been able to move up the manufacturing value chain. And so the lower skilled parts of the manufacturing process have been moved out. And, and, and just as, you know, that, that wage arbitrage, just as Western manufacturing went to China, in China it's now been moved out to, to neighbouring countries in particular. So there are already trillions of dollars in, in imports from Vietnam, Malaysia and the Philippines and, and other EM countries. But I think particularly supply chains have moved at least to, to neighbouring countries. Now, the end consumer at the moment for these 
goods is is generally in the west so so it's it's not necessarily that the manufacturing process has been moved out of china and chinese consumers are now you know consuming all these goods but the infrastructure has been created and at the same time as you mentioned the communist party or the, the ccp is deliberately steering the economy to be more domestically orientated um, to grow services, to have more value, high, highly value-add jobs. And we see that with the technology companies. We know that there's a lot of high value-add jobs in China. And this is growing steadily, actually. Services are over 50% of GDP in China now already. And that's increased incrementally over the last 20 years. So, yes, over time, you know, that end consumer will shift more to China. And, and that will benefit the, the exporting companies. You know, in the same way as exporting commodities is beneficial for your domestic economy, it's even more beneficial to, to make things and then export those. And that in turn leads to, you know, it can, can, can lead to a fantastically powerful investment trend as, as economies move up the, the value chain and more people have higher value add jobs and particularly as they, they consume more goods. Okay, great. Well, it's been really interesting to to get your perspective on that. And I, I... You know, it's we certainly are in early days of this trend, given that there aren't that many uh, strategies out there that have already started to exclude China from uh, emerging markets. So, so it's good to feel quite early on that. So, I think I'd probably like to draw the podcast to a close there. And and with that, thank you, Alex, for participating today. It's been great. Thank you, Nick. And thank everyone who took the time today to listen in. If you enjoyed today, then please download our other podcasts from our website or wherever you normally get your podcasts. Watch out for our next episode and tune in. Thank you for listening to the Emerging Markets Equities Podcast brought to you by Aberdeen. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and for more great content, visit aberdeen.com. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen. The companies discussed in this podcast have been selected for illustrative purposes only or to demonstrate our investment management style and not as an investment recommendation or indication of their future performance. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns, return projections or estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.